The following recording is from the Parramatta Christian Church Pulpit Series. These sermons are freely available at pcc.org.au. second part in our vision series. Uh, if you are visiting or you're new with us, we began last week, uh, which is our, the beginning of our new ministry year, to set our focus and our vision for where we're going as a church. And uh, the theme that God's kind of put on our heart is this word grow, this theme of growth and maturing, uh, enlarging and extending. And last week we looked at Ephesians 4 and we talked about the why of growth, the, the rationale for it. And we looked at four things that Paul talks about there, which were that growth brings an end to infancy or childishness. Growth, secondly, brings stability and, and strength because um, we're not tossed here and there with every wind of doctrine. Uh, thirdly, Paul says that when we grow, uh, there comes a, a a welcoming of truth speaking in love and truth hearing in love, that there is this understanding that we're all pursuing the fullness of Christ. And so we invite it and welcome it uh, in the context of growth and maturing. And lastly, we talked about growth brings a shift from being a consumer to a contributor, that as we grow and mature, even naturally, uh, physically, we make this transition from just being primarily consumers to now contributing. And so this week, I want to kind of pick up on that and uh, drill down into some of the practicalities of growth. I want to look at, I guess, the question of how and what uh, is God kind of wanting to do in the life of our church, you individually, as we journey down this road of growth. And so as a launching pad, I want to just give you five quick observations about growth. And these relate to any area of your life, and I'm sure they'll be helpful in your work or studies or wherever you're at. Um, As you think about personal growth and growth in your life. So here we go, five just kind of overview thoughts. Firstly, uh, growth, some growth is just automatic. You know, when, a, when a, a child is born and you feed them and you care for them well, they will just naturally grow. But other growth takes effort. Like when you go to the gym, you can't just sit there and look at the equipment. Uh, it's not going to do anything. You have to actually exercise a bit of effort and energy to, to get that growth. The second thing about growth is that growth is a process. It, it takes time. Um, with, with any kind of growth, there is kind of this process that unfolds, which means then that you can't hack it. There's no life hack for, for growth. There's no shortcut for growth because that's the whole point. If you take a shortcut, you bypass growth. So keep that in mind. The third thing that might be helpful is that growth is um, seasonal. Uh, We go through periods of intense growth and then other periods of kind of slow or stagnant. Uh, If you look at your own Christian life, you can probably see that your journey has been one of growth, plateau, growth, plateau, growth, plateau. It's kind of the nature of the way our world works. And I think God created this rhythm and pattern into the way we grow. I mean, you look at our seasons. Winter generally is a, a season of dormancy. Not much happens. Things kind of die and regress and stay dormant. But then spring and everything kind of comes to life and there's life and vitality and growth. And our lives are a little bit like that. We have kind of seasons of growth. So if you're not growing right now, don't kind of beat yourself up. Enjoy the plateau and rest and recuperate because there will be a season of growth that comes and and enjoy that for what it is. So growth can be seasonal. The other thing to keep in mind is that different parts of our lives or, or different things have different growth capacities. 
Um, so, for instance, uh, in every area of our life, pretty much, there is a capacity of growth. For instance, you know, Lewis and I have very different growth capacities, um, you know, in how far we've gotten to uh, in our stature. And, you know, compared to someone else like Solomon, who's much taller than me, you know, he, he's got a different growth capacity to me. And, and so we need to understand that there are physical limitations about how much is possible for us to grow. The one area of our life that is limitless is our spiritual growth. The fullness of Christ knows no limit. And we can keep growing infinitely until glory. And as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, we we see in fullness on that day when Jesus comes. But until then, we keep growing. So it's a bit like a grape and a watermelon. Like a, a grape will, no matter how much it tries to grow, ever be the size of a watermelon. If it does, there's something very strange about that. And so we need to understand that, that there are inherent capacities to our growth in, in different areas. The, the challenge is to be the best or fulfill the purpose that God intended for us. That's the key. A grape, if it can just be the best and most fruitful and juicy and fullest grape it can be, should not be down on itself that it's not as big as a watermelon. It really shouldn't. So that's the challenge. The last thing I want to say about growth as a way of introduction is that some growth is not good. And people have this saying, particularly in churches, all healthy things grow. That's partly true, but there are some unhealthy things that grow as well. All right? Wrong ideologies like fascism can grow. And we've seen that in history. Wrong theology can grow, like prosperity doctrine. You know, I go to parts of Africa, when I minister there, pastors tell me that it's everywhere, and they're really struggling to, to help their, their people grow through that because it's just infected people's thinking. Um, even in our own bodies, cancer is something that grows. Not good. You know, we, we resist that. And other growth, too, we want to try and contain and control, like growing this way. You know, we, we, we don't want that growth. We resist that growth. We want to do everything we can to try and contain that growth. So you need to understand that, you know, we have this idea that all growth is good. Not necessarily true. There is some growth that we want to contain and control for the greater good of something. So with that in the background... Keep thinking that way as we talk a lot this year about growing individually, growing as a church, what will that look like? Keep these ideas in the back of your mind. So three hows that I want to look at, three ways that we grow that I want to look at from Ephesians chapter 3. So if you want to turn in your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 3 verses 14 to 21. I'm going to read this together. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. 
Father, I pray that you'll help us to receive all that you have for us this morning. Help me to faithfully communicate your word and help us to have receptive and open hearts that we might be changed into your glory more and more in Jesus' name. Amen. Number one. Uh, last week, I, you know, I talked a lot about how God uses pain to bring about growth. And many of you probably went home thinking, oh my Lord, what kind of year is this ahead? So today I'm going to kind of encourage you and go, that's not the only way God brings about growth. Okay, so just take it a little bit easy. But here's one way that many of us have probably seen growth in our life. It's in, in an environmental change. An environmental change. So uh, the image I had was of sharks in tanks. They say that if you put a, a little shark, a baby shark in a tank, it will only grow to a certain capacity, sometimes about six inches. But you take that same shark and you put it into a bigger tank or you put it out in the ocean and it will grow to its full capacity. And we see that even with gardening. Like if we want a certain tree to grow, you need to take it out of the pot that contains it and put it into a bigger pot. That idea of changing an environment spurs growth and I see that in 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 the context of what God is wanting to say to us as a church that this relates to growing our vision growing our vision that's the environment if you like that's the tank that's the pot that God wants us to extend and enlarge as we step into this new season of growth in 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 this passage we see that there are two areas particularly that Paul wants us to really grow in our understanding in and grow in our vision one is growing our vision of who God is who God is. Look at all the things that Paul tells us here about how God, uh, who God is. Verse 15, from whom, uh, before the Father, verse 14, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. That the Father, our Father is the Father of everyone, he says. And he, in verse 16, he says, out of his glorious riches, our God is rich. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, we're told. He goes on to say, um, verse 19, that you would know the, this love that surpasses knowledge. The love that God has for each of us is bigger than we can ever imagine or understand. He says that this God is the one who fills the universe and that we would know the fullness of God, verse 19. And he says in verse 20, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. From all of this, can you get this idea that Paul is saying, your God is bigger than you can wrap your little brain around. But sometimes I think we put God in a box. We put him in a little fish tank and go, look at that little shark. Isn't he lovely? We domesticate God. And we have a God that we understand. We have a God that we can explain. We have a God that we think we've got all figured out. We reduce God to formulas and we reduce God to simplistic theology. And sometimes our God, our image of God, our vision of God is more defined by us and our experience and our culture than how God defines himself in his word. This year we want to bust that tank. We want to say, let's get a bigger vision of who our God is. And some of that stuff might trouble us, make us uncomfortable because it messes with our view of God. But that's a good place for us to be where we see God as being uncontainable, more awesome than we would ever know. Because when we get that, we're likely to step out more. We're likely to trust this God more. We're likely to believe in this God more when our world falls apart because we have a greater understanding of His sovereignty and His control. We're more likely to handle storms and difficulties because we have a big God that we have a vision of. The second area I think we need to expand our tank is our vision of ourselves. 
of who we are in Christ. And again, in this passage, Paul tells us over and over again, verse 19, that he might strengthen you with power through his spirit who is inside of us in our inner being. Verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Verse 18, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ for us. Verse 19, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Verse 20, that that we would know that this power is at work within us. Paul is saying, sometimes our view of ourselves is too small. We've put ourselves in this tank that is so small that we don't realize our full capacity. And Paul is saying, and I'm, I'm wanting to challenge us, as we move down this journey this year, we need to break that tank. We need to take ourselves out of that small place and put ourselves in the big ocean and say, God, give me a fresh revelation of who I am in Christ, of the power that's at work within me, of Christ in me, the hope of glory, of these immeasurable riches I have. Because when we understand who we are in Christ, we've been using the language at PCC that we're spiritual billionaires. When we get how rich we are, we're going to be more generous. When we get how secure we are in Christ, we will stand firm in the storms. When we understand how much we've been forgiven, we'll extend that forgiveness to others. There was a movie a little while ago that some of you might have seen. It was called I Feel Pretty. Um, and it was a story of this, uh, this lady who uh, was large and had really self-esteem issues and really devalued herself and really didn't think much of herself. And she goes to the gym and she determined to get fit and she has an accident where she bumps her head and then she kind of wakes up and when she looks in the mirror she sees herself as being really hot like beautiful stunning absolutely drop dead gorgeous and what happens in the rest of the movie is she begins to live out of that and it changes the way she relates to people. It changes how confident she is. It changes the kind of jobs that she starts applying for. It changes her whole life. And then she has another accident where she bumps her head and she sees now the real her. And she's like, oh my goodness, no, the magic's gone. I've lost it. Oh no. And she begins to kind of second guess herself again. And I won't ruin the rest of the movie for you. I did it in the first service and I kind of oh, ruined the movie. Sorry. But what's profound is that her change of living was as a result of a self-delusion and a deception but our living is based on the truth of God's word of who we are in Christ now if we really grab a hold of this if we really understood the the wealth and the riches and our identity in Christ it must lead to us living differently it has to lead to us living differently so it's time to bust open the tank It's time to say, God, will you transform our image of you? Give us a bigger vision of you. Give us a bigger vision of ourselves that we might live differently. The second area that growth occurs in is through multiplication. Through multiplication. And again, we'd be familiar with this idea um, in terms of sowing and reaping. You know, like Jesus even used the illustration of if a seed remains by itself, it remains alone. But if that seed is planted and it dies, it produces a bountiful harvest, this increase, this multiplication. Um, and we see this idea with families, you know, as husbands and wives, you know, procreate with breeding, that the DNA is passed on and, and more and more growth and multiplication occurs that way. And some of these images 
images are the images that God gave us at an elders prayer meeting that we had a little while ago, where God was showing us that this is what he wants to do in our church. So this image of trees being planted that carry the DNA of PCC all over the place was one of the images that God gave us. So that's another way that God wants to enlarge us and to expand us, which is through this idea that God is calling us to have a bigger influence and a bigger impact, both in Parramatta, in our city, and and beyond that. And for us to grab a hold that God is calling us to grow through multiplication by helping us to see that you and I, individually and collectively as a church, are called to have an impact and an influence that will bring God glory. But to do that, we need to change our mindset in two areas. Two areas. And Paul talks about this in verse, in verse 20. Sorry, no. In verse 21. To him be glory in the church. The first mindset change that we need to make is that it's for him. It's for him. Paul makes it clear that God's desire, God's purpose is for, for him to be glorified in the church. The problem is often we make church about us. We make church about us. There's a story told about in Francis Chan's church. Some of you might know him. He's quite a well-known pastor. Somebody came to him at the end of the service and said, Pastor Francis, I didn't get much out of worship today. And he said, that's okay. We weren't worshiping you. But sometimes we make church all about us. We come and if somebody's in our seat, we get a bit irky about that. If the, you know, the right worship leader's on there, we can't connect with God. And if the songs aren't the right thing, we, we, we just don't feel connected to God. Or if the coffee is too cold or the temperature's too hot or whatever it is, are we, are we, have we lost sight of what God is doing in the church? See, we, we will never have greater influence and greater impact if we make church about but Paul says that God's purpose for the church is to glorify himself in the church in the church it's about proclaiming him and his greatness and his name and his glory as Isaiah prophesied so that the glory might cover the earth as the waters cover the sea and and that's God's purpose to bring all things under the submission of Christ through the church it's for him for his glory. The second thing, uh, second mindset change that we need to embrace if we're going to see this multiplication and this increased influence and impact is that it is forever. It's forever. Paul says, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever, throughout all generations. You see, if, if we make church just about the here and now, if we make church just about us and our lifetime and our span of life, if we make our own lives, the way we live out our Christian life in, as, a, as a single person or as a family or as a student or whatever it is, just about that particular moment, then we'll never have an effect and an impact and an influence that outlasts us. You see, some people, you know, when we're thinking about this church building, you know, we, it's easy to think, well, do we really need it? You know, look at us. We're comfortable here. This building's great. What, what do we need a, a new building for? That's a lot of money and a lot of effort for something that do we, do we really need. Hold on. Just think about that for a moment. We're sitting in a building that somebody else worked on, that somebody else put their money into, worked hard to, built with their own hands, they invested and we get to enjoy that because they got this. That it's not just about me. 
It's not just about my time and my season. It's about thinking that how is God's glory going to be carried into the next generation forever? And, you know, I want to say to you that this whole building project, I know that God put this on our heart right at the beginning of our time here, but I never understood why. I knew it was something that God was calling us to do, but I didn't get why until now. And I see how this this idea or this vision that was kind of on the periphery of our church is now right at the very center of what God wants to do. This building project. And you know why? Because I think in light of this, that God wants something to remain in Parramatta that will proclaim His glory for all generations. That's why. Because this building will do us. But even our architect said, this building, the use-by date is gone. It won't last But we want to see the glory of God here in Parramatta. And God wants to do that through this church and through the other churches in Parramatta. And that's why we need to get behind this. That's why we need to sow into it. That's why we need to give and sacrificially give. Just like people before us gave for us, we give now for the next generation. Forever. That's the extent of the impact and influence God wants us to have. But what about even personally in your life, in your family, in your workplace? Are you just thinking, well, you know, I just need to kind of hold on until the end of my life and, and I'm good. You know, the, the, the idea that we're leaving a legacy, each one of us. And the question is, what legacy are we leaving? Now again, the Bible, Jesus called each of us to be disciple makers. That is the most effective way we can leave a legacy that outlasts our lifetime. Whether it's at church as we disciple one another, whether it's in our family as we disciple our kids, whether it's as friends, as single people, as we invest our lives into making disciples, I can guarantee you that that legacy will remain long after you're gone. The faith that you've helped nurture and develop in a brother, in a sister, that you've encouraged and discipled and mentored and journeyed with long after you're gone, that legacy will bear fruit forever and ever, and will glorify your Father. How are you doing that? How are you intentionally discipling and leaving a legacy? For us as a church, the building is one of those ways that we are wanting to leave a legacy in this city. But beyond that, you know, I don't know if you're aware that already so many different groups use our building. We have Alcoholics Anonymous that meet here a couple of times a week. We've had requests from different church groups and different other Christian groups to come and run prayer meetings here. We've had a request just recently from the Cumberland Women's Health Group that we've been partnering with to run a makeup workshop here for Domestic Violence Weekend. I mean, God is just opening up opportunities for us to use our current facility to be a blessing, to proclaim His glory, to leave a legacy in the lives of people in our city, to serve our city. And I want to see that expanded, that, that influence and that impact grown. The, uh, uh, the Parramatta mayor at a, le- at a recent gala dinner that Alpha Christian's Bible College ran, he said that one of the greatest needs in our city is for space, for meeting spaces, community spaces where people can gather. That's why we're building a building. So we can meet that need. We can bless our city. We can serve our city. And we can leave a legacy for generations to come. And so as a church, we're embarking on new initiatives. We're uh, launching mainly music. Um, Alvin and, and Lewis have been thinking and praying a lot about relaunching the street teams that used to go out and do street evangelism. We're looking at exploring partnerships with the other churches to get into local high schools. All of these new initiatives are so that we can increase and enlarge and expand our ministry impact in the city of Parramatta. 
for the glory of God forever. You know, General Maximus in Gladiator said one of those famous lines that we remember, what we do in life echoes for eternity. Are we leaving a legacy? And if we are, what kind of legacy are we leaving? Is it a legacy that's for him or about us? Is it a legacy that will outlast us and will be forever? Or is it a legacy that will just die with us? The third way of growing is through intentional capacity building, intentional effort. And so this is about enlarging our capacity as a church, enlarging our footprint, if you like. Uh, And we see this in examples like, you know, a river where you kind of widen a river or or a dam or um, the M4, you know, like as our city grows, we're increasing the capacity by just widening the lanes. That idea where it's intentional, planned capacity increase. And in the sense of relating to us as a church, thinking about how can we as a church increase and enlarge our capacity individually and collectively. Now, different churches have different sizes and different capacities, like the grape and the watermelon. There's no optimal size of church. People have done research, you know, is there an optimal size of church that's going to be the most effective? No, every church size has different strengths, different opportunities, and different challenges. Where there is a capacity limit is on leaders. Now, Dash and I feel that our leadership capacity is in the small to medium-sized churches, which is up to about 450 people. And that's what we're building towards because that leadership style that we have works best in that context. And it's a, it's a true reflection of our gifts and our calling and the way God's wired us. Now, that's not to say that PCC won't grow beyond that. But it will mean that if it's going to be a watermelon church, then God needs to bring a watermelon leader to do that. I'm, I'm kind of the apple kind of leader, you know, like in the in-between. I can't believe I'm using fruit analogies. But that's kind of where we're at in terms of going, okay, God, that's who you've called us to be. Now, how can we widen this river? Because you're bringing people into our church. And see, if the river isn't wide enough and more water gets put down that river, it overflows the river and it ends up on the banks and it ends up being out of bounds, as it were. And so unless we intentionally widen that river, we're not going to be able to care effectively for the people that God is bringing us. Now, in the last few years, we've grown as a church. This second service particularly started with about 30 or 40 people. It's amazing. Now, God's bringing people, and our responsibility is is to widen the capacity of the river to get to being the healthiest, medium-sized church that we can be adequately caring for and supporting and loving the people that God brings us. But here's the thing. I've come to realize that God has a, a, a more profound calling on us as a church. It's not just to kind of widen the river and contain what God's bringing, but because it's a river metaphor, that God wants to bless those who are down the river as well. That it's a flow through. And I believe more and more that God is calling us to be a sending church. And we've used that language, a missional church, a giving church, a generous church, where people might be here for a season, whether it's a year or two years or five years or ten years, and then God begins to stir in their heart to plant them somewhere else. Now, as a pastor, that part I don't like. It's hard, it's difficult seeing people that you've been journeying with and investing into and discipling and mentoring come to you and say, Pastor, uh, I want to go to the Philippines and, and do mission in Mindoro. Thanks, Sarah and Jeff. I don't want to hear that. 
Or they come and say things like, you know, I believe God's given me opportunities to pursue my education, but I might have to be overseas for five years and I'm not going to be a part of this church. I'm like, no, I don't want to hear that either. Or they might say, you know, God's opened an opportunity for me to serve in this other ministry that's reaching young people in Parramatta, which means I need to cut back on what I'm doing here. I don't want to hear that either. But I see that that is part of our DNA of who God's called us to be. And so to do that, we need to widen the river so we have a greater capacity to be generous, to look after our house, as it were, first, to build strength and health into what we're doing so that we can gladly and generously release and bless and send people because we're for Him and to leave a legacy for the next generation. And that might mean them going from here. Like I said last week, I believe God wants to build His church through this church. And, I, and so we need to build a bigger capacity to do that. Because if we empty out everybody, there won't be anybody here. But if we have the capacity to say, okay, we've widened our river, God. So as you bring more people, the river's wider, which means there's just more flow. There's more people coming in and going out and coming in and out. And it doesn't deplete or diminish anything you're doing here for your glory so as a church we're, we're thinking that we, we need to build our physical capacity and that's why i said this building is in the very heart of what i believe god is wanting us to do so we need to get behind a church we need to really invest into it with time and prayer and money because it takes money to build this we need it we, we, we need to grow our capacity. But even beyond the physical, we're seeing that we need more connect groups because our connect groups are busting out of their banks. We need more groups so that we have more people in community. We need to raise up more leaders and volunteers who get our DNA. That's a critical factor. Because people come and they say, I love this church. I love the way you're doing church. But then they want to change the way we do church because they've got different ideas about how to do church. Hang on, whoa, whoa, whoa. We want you to get our heart and our vision and our mission and our DNA and our core values because that is what we want to reproduce. And so we, we're recognizing that if it, there's only a certain level of people and everybody's expecting that level of leaders to do stuff, what happens if God calls those people to go elsewhere? And so we're realizing we need to train up others. We need to recruit more volunteers and leaders and, and train them and equip them and make sure they get our core values and our DNA and our, and our heart and our passion and our mission so that they can be a true reflection of the DNA of this church. And can I just say this in passing? Not every idea is a good idea. And not every idea will fit PCC, even though it's a great idea. That's what we want. We want people who get our heart, who are generating ideas, who are praying and saying, God, show me how I can contribute to the vision and mission and calling of this church. And they come with an idea and we go, that's it. That's a God idea. And it's for us as a church. And we want to get behind that and empower you and release you and encourage you to, to bring that about. And other times we might have to say, I'm not sure if that's the right fit or maybe not the right time. So that's in terms of church, that we're really intentionally trying to increase our capacity by training up and raising up people. But I want to leave you with this challenge personally. How are you going to intentionally grow your capacity? How is God calling you and me to intentionally grow our capacity? There's only a couple ways you can do that. One is by getting rid of clutter, decluttering. You know, even in your home, if you want to make more space, you've got to get rid of junk. 
You get rid of stuff. Jesus used that metaphor in John 15 when he said, you know, the gardener prunes the lifeless and the dead and the barren branches. Why? So the others can be more fruitful. That's creating space. And what junk are you carrying that God might, wanting, might be wanting to declutter your life from? And, and it could be things in your heart that you're carrying, hurts, burdens, baggage from the past, from last week, that's just forming clutter in your life. What, what is God wanting you to do about that? It could be with your time. How, how busy are you? How full is your week, your day? But you don't have time to disciple anybody because your life is just too full. What is it full of? Is there stuff that you need to declutter, priorities that need to be readjusted, values that you need to bring into alignment? Or it could be your money. You don't have the, the, the financial ability to give to anything, to missions, to the building, because you're maxed out. There's no margin. What are you spending that money on? Maybe God is wanting you to cut back some of that stuff prune, declutter some of that stuff so you do have margin. A little while ago, both our kids had this issue with their computer where their memory storage was so full that they couldn't update to the new, new version. And we had to ring Apple and they were kind of talk, wanting to talk them through it and they helped our kids find all these hidden files that were full, that are taking up space. And it was not till they got rid of that, put it in the junk and cleared the junk that they actually now had the space to put on the new declutter the other way you can grow your capacity is by stretching like a rubber band again it has a shape and it has a maximum capacity but you can stretch you can stretch that and figuring out okay god is there a way i can stretch out of my comfort zone what does that look like maybe it looks like meeting people that are very different to you maybe it means building relationships with people who make you feel uncomfortable and weird you out because that is going to grow you Maybe it means reading a book on something that you've never really thought much about. Maybe it's learning a new skill. Maybe it's trying something that you've never tried before. Maybe it's stepping out and having a go at doing something in the life of the church that you've never considered doing before. How can you grow and how can you stretch and how can you enlarge? But here's the third thing I want to say about that. It's so important that we fill it. Fill that space. Even Jesus warned, if you get rid of stuff, you talk this, this parable about uh, somebody having a demon and it being cast out and it going and wandering around. And if you don't fill that space, then the demon will come back with a whole bunch of other junk and it's worse. It's one thing to create capacity, but it's another thing to fill it with God's stuff. With God. And that's why, you know, as, as a church, we're so passionate about encouraging people to be in the Word. And again, I've heard people saying stuff like, you know, I've been a Christian for many years and I've never read through the Bible and I'm going to read through the Bible this year. I'm like, awesome. We, we have people who are semi-regular to church who are saying, I'm going to come commit to being at church every Sunday, which is awesome. People who've never been in a connect group, joining a connect group. That's the kind of stuff we always go on about because we want you to be filled with God. What's God asking you to fill yourself with once you've created space and margin? As we wrap up, three concluding thoughts. And if is Luke, yeah, Luke's here, he can jump up, that'll be great. I don't want you to leave thinking that this is all stuff that you just need to go out and do in your own strength. And I want to leave you with this these three thoughts that are in this one verse that Paul talks about in verse 17 and 18. He says, And I pray 
that you being rooted and established in love. See, all growth has to begin in love, in God's love for you in Christ. You need to be rooted and established in love. If it's not, then it's just moralizing. It's just changing your behavior. But it has to begin with a change of heart. And that comes as you understand God's grace for you in Christ. And sometimes you might hear us preachers, we get up and we'll bang on our pulpits and we'll go on about stuff. And I never want you to sit there thinking, man, it's just works, 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 works. Yes, sometimes we'll really focus on what you need to do and application and how you're supposed to live this out. But I hope you hear us often enough talk about God's love for you in Christ. Because if it's not rooted and established on that foundation, it's all going to fall apart. You got to remember that. When you leave here going, God, I need to fill myself with this love that is beyond my comprehension. It's got to be rooted and grounded in that. Your love for me in Jesus. And so all of these modifications and behaviors and things that I want to empty myself of and fill myself, it all flows out of this sense of I'm overwhelmingly loved out of worship and devotion and delight. The second thing Paul says is it's by the power of the Spirit, rooted and established in love, that we might have power. You're not going to do this on your own. You, you can't do this in your own strength. It has to be in the power of the Holy Spirit, which is what he says throughout here. The Spirit in you, the Spirit in your inner being, the Holy Spirit has to be the one that empowers your living for Jesus. And the last one, he says, together, with all the Lord's holy people. We're doing this together. It's in community. Your growth capacity will be limited if you're doing it on your own. You, you need me to irritate you and provoke you. And I need you to irritate me and provoke me. We need each other. And I want our church to be a place of grace, of humility, of patience, where we support and encourage and care for which one another so that we're growing in holiness together. We're better together. We're stronger together. And we're growing together as God's people. And that's the kind of church I believe God is calling us to be. A church that's healthy on the inside because we're dealing with our junk. A church that's strong because we have such a clear vision of who we are and who God's calling us to be and our purpose in that as a church, as individual people, as single people, as husbands, as wives, as fathers, mothers, as friends, as workers, as, that we have a clear vision of our purpose and that it's for Him and for His glory. And we get behind and invest ourselves and we give sacrificially because we want it to be for all generations forever and ever in Parramatta and in the nations of the world. Would you bow your heads with me and just close your eyes and just take a moment to reflect and just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Worthy are you, Lord. Jesus. Spirit. Father, as this song says, you are worthy of every song, of every breath. You're worthy of everything. You deserve all glory, all praise. Father, I pray will you individually and as a church community give us a fresh vision 
of how awesome you are. God, will you break out of the boxes of our heart and mind and be God on your terms. God, I pray, will you bust us out of our own limited thinking of who we are in Christ. Grow us, Lord. Enlarge us. Lord, I pray that you would stir in our hearts to leave a legacy, to make it about you always. When we come together, Father, to be focused on you and your glory.